If you have your Bibles, Luke 17, verses 11 through 18 is where we want to be this morning. We're talking about staying positive in a negative world, and today's title is simply, I'm Grateful. And no better way to, uh, that I can think of is to thank all of you for last week for all the cards and gifts and different things you gave to Sondra and I on past appreciation. Uh, I will say that, I've said it before, 35 some years of ministry, this church goes above and beyond when that comes to that. Uh, so we are very, very grateful uh, for all those things. Uh, even with that positive, what I'm going to say is going to sound negative at first, okay? Uh, because we live in a world where there's a lot of negativity going on. It doesn't make it where you go, what you do. There's always something or somebody that's negative about something. And I'm tired of all the negativity because it seems to overflow into my life. Uh, it seems like when somebody's negative to me, then I take it on somebody else. It's almost like passing it forward. You know, you do something nice for somebody else, and maybe they'll do nice for somebody else, and it goes down the line that way. And I think it works both ways. Because I think complaining in the world today, in our lives today, in our churches today, have almost, has almost become a, a, an art form. People have almost have it perfected. Some people believe it's a spiritual gift to point out faults to other people. And it's just one of those things. You know, you can do all this stuff and they're going to find out one little thing and they're going to dig you on it. I mean, just think about all the different things. I'm thankful for the church, uh, the church worldwide, the local church. I'm thankful for the church, even with all the church's faults that we have as churches because we're not perfect. Churches are filled with imperfect people, so we can't expect a perfect church because the only thing perfect was Jesus Christ. But I appreciate the church. I am grateful for friends who give me a hard time. Won't mention any names, but they're sitting to my left. Uh, always wanting to give a hard time. But I'm grateful for those things. I'm grateful for family and the times that we can spend together as a family. But how easy is it for us to complain in all truthfulness? I mean, we complain when it's too hot, we complain when it's too cold, we complain when it's too windy, when we complain in all those different things. Even when it's raining, we complain, even though a lot of times the farmers are praising the rain. And I always joked at Hayworth because I always had farmers coming up to me and say, hey, we need two inches of rain in the next 24 hours. And then I had one farmer actually say, now my farm up north, I need an inch. Farm down south, I don't need that much. And it's like, and I started sending him a bill you know, on all this, because every once in a while, it would hit perfect. I said, I'll take care of it, you know, and it would be perfect. He'd get enough rain up there, not enough down here, and I started sending him a bill, and I never got paid yet, but it's still one of those things. Y'all wonder if people in Southern California, Southern California complain it's just too nice, you know. They go on the beach every day, and it's just too nice, and, you know, we need something a little more drab of what's going on, but also think about this. You know, we complain, even though most of us go to restaurants where we can afford to have somebody fix our food, bring it to our table, serve it to us, and we still complain. They didn't keep my glass full. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Ran, 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 you know. And we don't appreciate what we have. I mean, a lot of us drive a car to our house. We push a button. The garage door goes up. We pull in, push the button. The garage door goes, goes go down because we don't want to talk to our neighbors. But we look down in our car, pff, 28 miles per gallon. This car stinks. You know, we have all these luxuries. 
Or maybe we go into our house and we have these climate-controlled houses and we walk into our kitchen, we open the refrigerator, we look at all the food that we have in there and what do we say? There's nothing to eat. Or we go to our closets and look over all the clothes that we have and we walk away saying, I need to go shopping, I got nothing to wear. You know, how easy is it for us to do it? You see, it's amazing how blessed we are, yet how ungrateful we often become. We have all this stuff, but we're so ungrateful. You see, by nature, I think we as people a lot of times are ungrateful because we all want more. We all want better, and we don't want to wait for it. We want it what? Now. You know, don't make me stand in line at a McDonald's and wait my turn. You know, McDonald's has these two lanes now. I've seen people argue and threaten each other, trying to get in line because it's going to save them a minute to get ahead of this car or behind this car, you know. And we do all these things. But see, I think gratitude is something we need to understand. I think gratitude is something we need to unlock in our hearts and in our minds and in our life because gratitude unlocks other positive values in people in today's world. It unlocks people being generous. It unlocks being thankful. It unlocks being encouraging. Because I think many people need to ask God to literally transform their hearts from this entitlement idea to one of being more grateful. What do I mean by entitlement? I expect it. Okay? October's Pastor Appreciation Month. I expect gifts. I expect cards. Because I'm all that and then some, you know. That's entitlement. You know, that's one of those deals. You see, we need to choose gratitude. But the tragedy today is a lot of people won't because we like who we are. There's nothing wrong with what I do. There's a story in Luke 17, a story about some lepers who tragically lack gratitude. Listen to what Luke says in Luke 17, 11 through 13 first. It says, Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village... Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Okay, now stop for a minute and think about what's going on here. Here's these men. There's probably more than that in this area. But ten men are standing in a group. They're yelling out to Jesus, have mercy on us. And these men all are lepers. So they're wearing torn clothes to tell people we have leprosy. They are covered their face, and they're yelling, unclean, unclean. And what that means is I'm unclean and I stink because of the rotting flesh that's on my body. You see, leprosy eats away of the flesh. There's oozing sores all over their body. Their fingers and their toes and their legs and their hands become numb because of the neuropathy that's in their hands. And so they would go to bed at night or go to sleep at night and wake up with fingers and toes missing because some of them would fall off, but other ones, rats would eat them, and they couldn't feel it. So here these guys are, and there's year, they've been gone years. They've been sick for years, and they've gone without hugs, and they've gone without family. They've gone without all of these things, and they're desperate, and they're wanting Jesus to help them, and they're yelling out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And it says in verse 14, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest, okay? He doesn't say you're healed. He says, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, it says, they were cleansed. 
they were healed. As they were going to do what Jesus told them to do, go to the priest, they were healed. But it says in verse 15, one of them. One of them, when they finally realized as they were going to the priest, they were walking away from Jesus, started looking at his hands and their body, they're going, they're being cleansed. They're being healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. It says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Really had nothing to do with Jesus. The other ones knew Jesus, was probably believers, but they didn't come back. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Jesus knew the answer. He says, were the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Okay? So you know the story. You've heard the story. Ten lepers, ten were cleansed. One came back to give praise and thanks to God. Get the big picture. Within a matter of seconds, within a matter of minutes, ten lives are dramatically changed. These ten men who have probably gone years without human touch, without seeing their family, without hugs, without all those things, within a few minutes are healed, are transformed, are miraculously healed through Jesus Christ. From no hope in life to a normal life. Being able to go to the priest to be cleansed. In other words, to be sold, you're clean now. You can go back to your family. To be able to walk up to your house and see your family see you for the first time where you can be hugged by your wife and your kids and all your neighbors. How does it happen that nine didn't say thank you? How do we do this? How does this happen in the world today that we can't even say two little words a lot of times? Simply, thank you. It's not that tough. Three statements that will help you choose gratitude. Actually, four, I believe. The first one in your outline is this. I know every good thing I have, first and foremost, comes from God. Every good thing I have comes from God. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. All that we have comes from God. So the encouragement that we have, the gratitude that we give, where we can actually say life is pretty good. Even with some of the distractions, even with some of the things going on, even some things we don't like, we can still say life is good. Anything good that we have comes from one person and only one person, and that is God. God is the giver of all good things. And just think about all through the scriptures of all the good things God gave. God gave Noah a plan to build an ark. He gave him the ability to build it and to save his family. And God gave the Israelites bread from heaven in the morning and fire by night so they could eat and know where they were going. God gave David a stone to kill Goliath. He gave Jonah a fish to swallow him and spit him back up on shore. Yes, but still able to do that. God gave the Virgin Mary the faith to obey and give birth to Jesus. God gave the wise men a star to lead them. God gave the world the Prince of Peace, the Lamb of God. God gave the world a Savior. God gives you, God gives me the peace that surpasses all understanding. He gives us the Holy Spirit to convict us, strengthen us, encourage us. He gives you his word to guide you. He's given you health to bless you, friends to love you, and a life to enjoy. 
Many of you know the first part of this week, I had to be in Kokomo to do the funeral for my uh, sister-in-law's dad. And as I got there, and we met with the family, and they shared a bunch of stories, and we, were, we visited and talked, laughed, they cried, they did all these things. But when I stood up to do the funeral, I saw my sister-in-law sitting over here, and my brother, the big bad firefighter and all that, just almost melting. I stood up, and I looked over there, and my first thought was, you got to start saying no, you know. And it's just like, but I was glad I was able to do it. I was grateful that I was able to do it and to minister to the family and what I could because they weren't real big churchgoers, you know, and that breaks your heart, but you still want to give them a hope. Now, again, I don't preach people into heaven. I don't preach them out of hell. That's not my job. My job is to give them encouragement and things they can be thankful for, and that's what we talked about. You see, we can always have all those things. Why? Because God has given us all good things. The second thing I want you to see this morning is this. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. Okay, think about that. I will not let what I want to rob me of what I have. Ecclesiastes 6, 9 says this. Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. So in other words, what I see before me is good. Not what I see out and about. Not those other things that I want. Better to have what I want, or to have, better to have what I have than to have what I want a lot of times. Okay? And understand, we're always wanting something different, aren't we? We have a nice car, we want a new car. We have this, we want that. We have all these things. There's a song that used to be, uh, give me this, give me that, bless me, Lord, I pray, grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. You know? Give me what I think I need, not what God thinks I need. You see, it's better to have what in front of us and what we're longing for. The outline also says this, gratitude turns what we have into enough. When we're grateful for what we have, then it's enough. You see, not happy people are usually ungrateful people. Grateful people are usually very happy because they're happy with what they have. Not with what they don't have. They don't look out and say, well, I don't have this, I don't have that, so I'm not going to be happy. Gratitude allows us to recognize the blessings we have each day. Okay? Now, a lot of times we take that for granted. But most of us sitting here this morning have three meals a day, maybe four, maybe five, maybe six. I don't know how you do it. You know, I would stick with three. It's healthier, you know. Like I said earlier, we afford to have someone cook for us, to serve us, and we still kind of complain, but we still afford to do that. Most of us have jobs that at least, at least pay minimum wage, you know. I know that's not a lot, but again, it's enough, I hope. But we always are wanting to upgrade. And even though we have beds to sleep in, we have clothes to wear, we want to upgrade things, our health, our friends, our car to drive, or the bus we ride. And I also understand this. I think this is a huge one, that we get to worship freely every Sunday or every Wednesday or anytime you want to turn your radio on in your car, you can worship freely. But how many times do we even take that for granted? You know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't look at me like I'm nuts. How many really didn't want to get out of bed this morning? 
I mean, it's kind of cold outside. You know, you knew it was going to be cold. There's frost on the windows. How would it have been easier just to stay in bed, stay in your jammies, grab your blanket, go to the couch, turn the TV on, and just watch TV all day? Instead of getting up, getting dressed, coming to church, you got to listen to this guy preach, you know, and all those things. But we get to worship freely. I think one of the things we need to do a lot of times, and a lot of you have done this so you understand this. You see, we get so centered on what we have. We look around at what people have, and we hear them complain all the time. But I think for us individually, I think we need to go someplace else, maybe to a developing nation and see all the things they don't have. Go to a place that you walk into a town where there's no running water, where the sewage is literally running down the middle of the street, where kids are getting water from a little stream where this is kind of going into or go into their houses with no floors in it, it's just dirt floors, maybe an oil lantern if they're lucky, barely having enough food for one meal a day, let alone three. And as you're there, and as you're going through all these things, and you're experiencing all these things, pretty soon what you find out at first, you feel sorry for them, for what they don't have. And you look around, you say, many kids don't have shoes on their feet, they barely have clothes on their back, and what they do have is dirty and torn, and it's almost not worth anything. But then if you're there long enough, what you start to see is you start to feel sorry for yourself. Because what you soon realize is everything they don't have doesn't matter. Because what you see is kids playing. You see parents spending time with their family. They can't afford the TV, so they're not around the boob tube 24-7. You see, you start feeling sorry for yourself for what they have. Even what they have is very little. You say, I'm going to be happy with what I have because gratitude makes what I have enough. In fact, Paul said in Philippians, he says this. Paul says, for I have learned to be content. It's just not something that happens. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, Paul got to a place where all he had was Christ. You see, until we get to that place in our life where we realize that all we truly need in life to be happy and to be grateful is Jesus Christ, then nothing will ever truly be enough. Number three is this. I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. Okay? Every blessing I have, I'm going to turn to praise. Every blessing I don't turn back to praise, somebody said, turns to pride. Okay, we know what the Bible says about a prideful heart. So we're going to turn every blessing that God has given us back into praise. In other words, acts of worship. Why? Because when we don't, it turns to pride. Listen to what Psalm 63, 4, I read it earlier. The psalmist says, as he's in the desert, in a desert place, he says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Catch what he says in verse 5. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. He's in the desert. There's no water, he says. It's a dry and barren land. But he says, with all these things, 
It's like people who go to Disney World complain it's too hot. Or they go to Disney World, well, it rained today, you know. I don't care. Yeah, I remember when I played golf quite a bit, and it rained a little bit, and I always said it's better a rainy day on the golf course than a rainy day in the office. You know, it could be fishing, it could be anything else. It depends on how you look at it. Do me a favor. Just for a second, just for a second. Pretend you lost what you have and you can't get it back. Whatever it is, maybe a house, a friend, a car, a job, and you can't get it back, what would happen? If you lost something and you couldn't get it back, where would we be? Maybe you're sitting here saying, well, I'm tired of my car. My house is too small. This or that. But you know what? The car, yeah, I'm tired of it, but I'm thankful it still gets me to point A to point B. Now my house is too small, but I've got air conditioning, I have food, I have clothes. The house is always a wreck. Son and I can't have the excuse anymore because we don't have kids at home. But if you have kids at home, that's the way it's going to be. Okay, no problem. I don't like my job. I'm always busy with kids. Well, it means you're healthy. You know, the church is getting too big. The church is getting too small. The church is doing this. The church is doing that. You know, let's be thankful for what God is giving. Psalms 1 to 3, 2 through 5 says this, that all that I am praise the Lord. In other words, everything about me, let it praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Catch what he says in Psalms. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life, literally, with good things. You see, I know every good thing I have comes from God. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. And number four, I'm going to be grateful, and therefore, I am happy. I'm going to be grateful, so therefore I am happy. You see, God gives all good things to his children. And I'm going to recognize I have blessing after blessing after blessing. Because one, I got up this morning. I woke up. I had coffee, had breakfast. I'm here. I'm worshiping. And you know, we dread Monday mornings because we don't want to go to work. But you know, you have a job unless you're retired, some of you are lucky that way, you know, but you have a job, because every blessing I don't turn back to God turns to pride. You see, I have been given, I've been forgiven, God has given me so much, he's forgiven me of so much, and because of that, I will praise him, why? Because God is a good God, and all the good things that we have comes from him. One of those great things that he has given to us is eternal life as believers, as people who believe in Jesus Christ. And, you know, we can't go a Sunday because I would never go a Sunday without at least offering that invitation, even though we understand that invitation is open 24-7, seven days a week. It doesn't make any difference what time, what time of day, because God is always there for us. But again, if you're sitting here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's where it starts to be truly grateful, we have to recognize what God has given to us. And he's given us his son to die on the cross for our sins to give us that eternal life. Because we receive that gift of the Holy Spirit to be with us. 
And then when we go from this place, yeah, even though we go into a world that's negative, even though we go to a world and we're going to be with people that are negative, that want to find fault, that never say thank you and all those things, we're going to look and say, it's okay. Because God has given me the greatest gift of all. And that is the hope of eternal life.